This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith in a culture against faith. All right, let's talk about booze. Hey, well, that's a that's a good question. Well, that's a different conversation than the one we're having. I mean, yeah, um, it, it's it was catchy, it was witty. I picked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> for that that's, reason, <laughs> that's fine. It is, but I do want to clarify that, like, that is a different conversation. It is a different conversation, but um, specifically, what we're talking about is drinking alcohol as a Christian. Yep. As you got from the title, because that's what we will call this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I have to introduce it some way. I mean, this is no, the first you do. Episode not, of, like, yeah, no, <laughs> you do. I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, no, you're good. But no, so like, okay, this is a big question. Um, there are a lot of traditions that don't think that drinking alcohol is okay. Um, there are. We grew up in one. We did. Uh, yeah, in the the in in their own way. Yes. Um, but, um, it, that leads us to a really good conversation, right? Because we see alcohol or alcoholic beverages mixed in all through, um, the narrative of scripture starting in Genesis nine, right? As we talked about yesterday on a closer look. Yep. First story we get. Seems to be about alcohol with Noah mm-hmm. is that he drinks some wine and he gets drunk. Yeah. And notice God doesn't condemn him for it. Like nowhere in that immediate context was Noah's actions bad. of getting drunk condemned. And yet the narrative leads you to believe just the way that it's written mm-hmm. that Ham's the one at fault, the sober one. Yeah. Is the, the one, one at fault. I do think it is important to say because we, we see it in other places, right? We're, we're going to talk about this, but um, I mean, we do see like, don't be a drunkard, right? We do don't see that. Don't be an alcoholic. Yep. Well, um, and I think that's the deal. When it says don't be a drunkard, we're going to talk about these. But when it says do not be a drunkard, that's a nominative participle. Yep. For non-grammar nerds, don't be a habitual drunk. Yeah. Would be the most literal translation because participles have continuous aspect. Yeah. And so it's this idea that you you are a drunkard. You are a person who constantly finds themselves in this state of being drunk. Yeah. That that ed or maybe not constantly but consistently that ed added on the end leads you to believe that this is a consistent act. Um, so it it is important to have this conversation though because you may see our podcasts uh, or our pints and perspectives right and start like. These liberal it, buffoons. Yeah, these liberal Christians drinking alcohol. Um, and, you know, there's a, a, a tradition that is actually really close to both of our hearts um, that in some ways I feel like we both kind of identify with some of their theology um, that don't drink alcohol. Actually make their clergy sign something every year saying that they can't, right? Yeah, that's beginning to go away. I think there are enough people starting to combat that. 
that it's it that's probably going to disappear in the next five years. Oh wow! Okay. Um, but at the time of this recording, that is true. A tradition that we are very close to does still have that. Yeah. Um. And so, what does that mean for you, as? a member of Wellhouse, whether you're an actual member or not, or you just listen to the podcasts, um, we consider you a part of our church family anyways. Yep. Um, so Which there are a bunch of you. There is a bunch of you. So that leads me to believe that there's probably some of you who don't drink um, and probably for theological reasons. Possibly. Possibly yeah. for theological reasons, right? Some of you, it may be um, a choice, right? Um, and good on you. Um do you, bro? But, um, yeah. <laughs> but we do drink. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty open about it. Yep. Um, not, not scared to say it at all. No. Um, I mean, you guys have heard me talk about how, like, one of my hobbies is mixology, right? Um, yep. You've heard us talk about how we like to brew beer. Yep. Um, I like At what make, level? I like to make drinks. I don't consider myself a mixologist like uh, uh, homeboy over here. But, yeah, I think at, at every level, um, well, actually, you like even some alcohols that I don't like uh, as yeah. much. I mean, I'm not a huge wine person. There's not many. This is going to make me sound really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, but there, for me... Um, when it comes to spirits, there's not much that I won't drink simply because there is an expression of that spirit somewhere that I can find that I will enjoy more than the others. Yeah, that's probably true. And well, I I really don't like absinthe, but I love it. Yeah, it's weird. And absinthe doesn't get you high. It doesn't, (laughs) you don't hallucinate. There's actually a whole nother thing on that, and yeah, uh, it's not time for this for but, that on this podcast. But um, so yeah, let let's talk. I mean, this is a good conversation to have. We, I'm sure, because we grew up in a very conservative tradition that didn't allow drinking alcohol. We now end up being in places where we both drink alcohol openly. Yeah, we post about it on social media. We go to bars. I mean, it's not, it's not. It's not a thing for us. I went and to three different bars this last weekend, actually. Um, just hanging out with friends. Three bars? Oh. Yeah. We'll have to talk about the bars because I hadn't, because of COVID, I hadn't been to a bar in a minute. Oh, dude, let's go. Well, I just, I hadn't just because of COVID. Like, I'm scared of the vid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way you do it, it does matter, but you can still go out and be safe. Yeah. Well, Anyway, so let's have this conversation um, because we are pretty open about it. And here's here's what I would say. First and foremost, I think there's a misunderstanding in the world of Christian theology that says if you drink alcohol, you're a liberal Christian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Here's what I would say. As I drink alcohol, I think I have a progressive expression of Christian faith. Doesn't make you a liberal. But as far as Christian theology as a whole, I am quite conservative. I mean, I'm probably safely considered a moderate. 
But by and large, I'm nowhere near being a liberal. I'm safely consider I, I could safely consider myself a moderate. There are some things that I do lean a little bit more liberally on theologically. That might be true, but, uh, but even still, <laughs> if if you believe Jesus was a real person, yeah, like, <laughs> you're, you're you're definitely not liberal. You're you're probably more moderate. I mean, true liberal protestantism doesn't believe that jesus was a real person yeah miracles are not a thing christianity is just about ethics it's more deism than it is anything what's not even well yeah it's i mean it's very paul tillich that god is the ground of being it's spiritual i mean it's just it's not a thing i'm nowhere near that yeah me either like now there are some of you that are super conservative going those people aren't even christians that's that's another another conversation. conversation But to our question about drinking alcohol, if you drink alcohol as a Christian, it does not mean you're a liberal. No. Don't, don't absorb that narrative. That's not what that means at all. So PSA is out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> PSA is not out of the way. I got another <laughs> one. Okay. Here's what I would say as, as a caveat to this. While we may believe that we are allowed the freedom to drink alcohol as Christians, if you find yourself mm. dependent upon or in a place of addiction, you're in sin. Because what I would say is it's become an idol. If you're addicted to anything, it's idolatry. It's taking the place of God. But it's become does, your Lord. That does not make you a bad person. Nope, there, not at all. There's still grace for that. And honestly, if you've find yourself there right now please reach out to us reach we can we can help you we want to help you we we have resources we have connections we can we can help you yep for sure so now psa is out of the way now psas are out of the way let's have a fun conversation that's right okay Uh, this is a fun conversation i want to do john chapter two oh yes so here's the deal. Oh, yes. If you don't know, John John's gospel does some things different. It's not a... Um, it's not a synoptic gospel. Yeah. Hey, look at you. Yeah, it's not a synoptic gospel, meaning that John's not even trying to pretend that he's doing things in any kind of chronological order. I actually listened to you. I learned what? things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just shocked. Synoptic is not a word that we use, no, right? I mean, we use words like synonymous, yeah. but synoptic is not is not that it it's similar looking yeah. optic right yeah. so anyways so john's not even trying to pretend that he's like not doing something else yeah no he just doesn't john's care. just embraces it yeah he's like this is my story and this is how i'm gonna write it <laughs> yeah it's my party on craft i want to so john goes about and he does this big introduction and, and does that big theological development there, which is really helpful. And then he goes on to Jesus' first miracle. Um, in John's gospel, Jesus has nine, they're called signs. They're not called miracles. They're called signs. And Jesus' first one is interesting. He turns water to wine. Yep. Now, we can look at that and go, hey, they're at a wedding, right? Wine is ceremonial. Like, it's fine. Um, you can you can spend that however you want. Here's what I would say. Um, 
You don't need 150 <laughs> gallons of ceremonial wine. Yeah. Well, and then we also see there that he tells him to save the best for last. Well, you're telling the rest of the story. I'm sorry. Here's the deal. It starts out, and they're in these ceremonial jars. Yeah. Or containers, whatever you want to call them. There's, there are these big, huge things that hold wine. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, they actually or they hold, hold water. water. Yeah, they and hold he water. Turn them to wine. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. So John chapter two verse six. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Yeah, that's Let's a say lot. Twenty-five times six, hundred fifty gallons. That's a lot. It's a lot of wine. Now, I want to point out two things here. Number one, Jesus gets water jars for purification. And he knows he's making wine. Mm -hmm. Why not just get the containers the wine came out of in the first place? Mm, That's a good question. Wouldn't it seem like the better thing? Yeah. But no, he wanted... He wanted to use the ceremonial jars. Why? Because it's sacred. No. Well, I don't know that there's something unique about it being sacred. I think the sacred element of it is because everybody knows you don't put anything in it except water. Jesus wanted everybody to know that it was him. Mm. If you just take old wine jugs... You put water over them, there's potential that people just think you got watered down wine. No. But if you get it and it's only water that goes in these and you turn it into wine, Jesus wanted them to know it was him. Yeah. I think there's something very unique about that. That is an interesting perspective. I mean, because there were plenty of other jugs and containers around that they that he could have turned water to wine in. Yeah. But there also would have been excuses about how it happened. Yeah. But he put them in ceremonial jars. You don't put anything except water. Well, and I also think that this is important to talk about too, is that it it was at a wedding, right? It was at a social gathering where people gather as friends and family. Um, well, an interesting point you make there, Clayton. How long is an ancient Jewish wedding? Like it's several days, if not like a week, right? Yeah, Something it's somewhere like between seven and ten days, depending on how rich you are. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, it lasts part- a long time. You partying yeah, for a wedding. I mean, it's a whole shindig shebang thing. Yeah. Um, so anyways, Jesus makes this wine. And there's a whole deal in there. Mary's like frantic coming up. They're going to run out of wine. Like it's the end of the world. <laughs> um, like yeah. Don't miss that piece. That running out of wine is like the end of the world. Well, because it's shameful. Well, it is shameful. But why is it shameful? Because wine's a huge part of the culture. Yeah. And so Mary runs up to him. They're going to run out of wine. And Jesus is like, woman, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, that's like, <laughs> And Mary doesn't even, doesn't really even acknowledge him. She just looks to the servants and goes, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's just like, and gives him the stink eye. Like, boy, better get this right. Better do it. He's so like, anyways, yes, mama. <laughs> yeah, and he just starts doing it. He starts doing it. Yes, mama. So uh, picking up this story. Jesus turns this water into wine. And here's the piece that I want to point out to you guys. So in verse 7 of chapter 2, 
It says, Jesus said to them, fill the jars of water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. This would be like the wedding planner. Yeah. This is head honcho. This is the guy. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom, though the groom who would have been responsible for all the necessary things for making sure the wedding goes properly. Yeah. He calls him up, this is verse 10, and said to him, Every, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Verse 11, Jesus did this, the first of his signs. Verse 10 is the point that I would call your attention to. I have a friend that reads this story. And when you say John 2, the wedding at Cana, his first response is, Oh yeah, where Jesus keeps the party going. <laughs> it's like, well, wait, that you know, that's not really that far off. Yeah. Mary comes to Jesus and says, "Hey, they're going to run out of wine. It's disgraceful, it's shameful. They're going to be the laughing stock essentially." And so Jesus decides to give them some more wine. Yep. And notice 150 gallons of that's like more than enough. Well, I mean, we don't know what We day. don't know how many people are there, but we, we don't know, know what day of the feast it is either. Well, we don't, but we also know that it's in Cana of Galilee. Yeah. Galilee's a region, Cana's a village. Jesus is from Nazareth. Nazareth and Cana are probably pretty similar in size. We don't know this 100% sure, but Galilee, you know, it's this region, this countryside kind of region, and Nazareth where Jesus is from only has about 200 200 people in the village. Cana is not a big place. We don't know how far we are in the thing, but we know that he has a chief steward, yeah. which would tell him, like, if he didn't have enough wine in the beginning, like, dude, you're in danger of running out of wine. Right. Like, you need to get some more. So, like, I don't think the dude's ill-prepared. Yeah. Like, I think they're just having a good time, and they're running through wine quicker than they thought they would. Yeah. And so, Jesus provides them 150 gallons of wine. And when it's given, and notice, Jesus tells them to take it to the chief steward. Yeah. So they go to the chief steward with the wine. And his response to the groom is, hey, most people serve the best wine first. And then after everybody's drunk and don't care what it tastes like anymore, (laughs) the bad wine. Yeah. But you've saved the best for last. It literally says... When they're drunk. Yeah. Now, I hear your argument. I hear your rebuttal. Not you, Clayton. You listener. You. you we can f- literally hear it through That's the camera. Right. <laughs> we know what you're thinking. We can feel it. In the most conservative reading, and I'm going to even skip the whole thing that it's unfermented because I just think that's the biggest line of garbage I ever heard in my life. It's just genuinely um and this isn't a pejorative we say this all the it's time. It's ignorant. It's it's ignorant. You're just not reading well. You're or you just don't know your history. I mean, it literally says when they're drunk. Yeah. I mean, it's a fermented drink that has alcohol in it. Like yeah. I'm I'm not even like 
come on, let's be better readers than that. So as the truest, most conservative reading you can come up with, Jesus himself may not drink it, but he definitely contributes to potential drunkenness. Yeah. And he didn't have to. And on another note, John didn't have to include that story. No, but he did. But he did. There's something to it there. Um, on a much more normal route, like a much more normal interpretation, you would see that Jesus is here with his buddies. Mary seems to have some involvement in the wedding. Yeah. She's probably somebody close to them. Jesus is probably cutting loose, having a good time too. Yeah. Probably knocking a few back. I mean, I, I see no reason to think that he didn't. Yeah. Especially, which we're going to look at next week, where Jesus says, I will not drink again. Yeah. Um, for sure. I think that in this intro episode, it is important to say um, that we do need to come back around and address how, or at least how I believe, the church has gotten to it, the place that it has with alcohol or was, you know, in cultural Christianity and all that, starting in the prohibition. Yeah, um, so we need, we need to do that next week. Yeah, we need to talk about that. that's a big one because that, that comes out of the social gospel and a lot of things that are going on there. We really need to talk about that. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Um, and if this was triggering for you, I apologize, but it, I'm assuming if it was triggering for you, you didn't get this far. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. I hope it didn't trigger anyone. I hope that yeah. we've created a space at Wellhouse where we can have genuine conversation that's valuable. But... Come back next week. We'll tell you the progression of the story through church history and culture and that kind of thing. And then probably at least one more episode, we'll finish up on some biblical passages about drinking alcohol in the Bible. Yeah. So go crack a beer and think about all this. 